Hello and welcome to the AFPT Comics Podcast, episode 211! Wow. Man, it's been... A lot has happened in the last week since we last talked. Yeah. I flew 3,000... No, 6,000 miles total. Yeah, because you went back. You're back. I went back maybe. in time. That's right. <laughs> I actually went to London to see the uh, Back to the Future musical. That's right. Yeah. It wasn't the only reason why, why I went, but it was... Mm-hmm. Uh, it... Well, you had to do something about your kids. Yes, I, I did. And you know what? My mom is hot. Oh, no. I always forget that he says that in the movie. Yeah, like, my does. mom is hot. He like... fully says that. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad we're here to talk comics. Yes. And... Yeah. Uh, and... Uh, and what a what a wild week of news! Uh, oh my god, I, I, it it's the early two thousands again, man. <laughs> yes, there are some surprises that I never thought would ever happen, mm-hmm. uh, and there are some reoccurring things that consistently happen when it comes to events. That's right. Uh, we'll dig into that in a second. Before we get to that, Kurt Pierce is on the show to talk about Indigo Children. It's this new series at Image Comics that's coming out March 29th. I think uh, if you're a retailer, you have to put your orders in soon. Uh, and uh, it's it's interesting. It's like a superhero, kid superhero, teen superhero thing, but with the the quintessential peers kind of harder, realistic edge. Yeah, it's, I think people are really going to dig it. Nice. But yeah, the first issue's out later in March. But yeah, as you alluded to before, good Lord, it is event crazy this week. Yeah. Possibly because Comics Pro took place this week, which is a retailer event. Mm-hmm. Essentially, all the publishers, well, not all, but most of the publishers go and try to get retailers hype. And yeah, here's what to look forward to and what you are definitely going to want to order this year. Right, and... What better way than to get all splashy with their events news? Um, yeah. This this year in particular, I feel like there was a lot more Comics Pro news than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I mean, it's always Marvel and DC and Image, but uh, Boom and some other publishers had some, yeah. some big reveals this week. So starting things off, though, uh, Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch are joining forces for Ultimate Invasion, yeah. a summer event starting in July. This... I don't think anyone saw coming in part because all Hickman has been doing is uh, teasing his Valerio Shidi project right. since last July at San Diego Comic-Con. And it actually con- this news actually confused people. I saw uh, a couple different sites say, oh, I guess they replaced Valerio with Brian. But no, this is an entirely different project. That just came out of the blue. Yeah, announced uh, exclusively through Entertainment Weekly, actually, before Comics Pro, That's I guess right. to get ahead of everybody else. This event involves the Ultimate Universe, which... Mm-hmm by my account, has barely been used, aside from Miles Morales joining 616 and mm-hmm. the Maker popping up here and there, who is the yeah. evil Reed Richards of the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, I mean, the Ultimate Universe was essentially destroyed and then integrated into, you know, the 616 universe. So it's, yeah, the idea that these folks are still out there is uh, kind of incredible. I I am always here for new Maker stories. And yeah, he's great. Things- one of the things you pointed out in the article in AAPT Comics is that uh, we've got Krakoa era Xavier uh, in this splash art, and I am yeah. really stoked about the idea of seeing Xavier and the Maker just finally taking each other to task for stealing each other's fashion sense. <laughs> oh my god, you're so right. They basically look the same. <laughs> like the same and, outfit. <laughs> and Hickman was involved with both. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if he was involved with the new Maker design necessarily, uh-huh. but... He he did uh, do the Ultimates, the uh, mm-hmm. Ultimate version of the Avengers with Hitch twenty years ago. Right. Um, so he's he's got some bones in this universe. You know, 
uh, one thing that, that kind of caught my mind, since I, I don't mm-hmm. see anyone ever talking about the Ultimate Universe besides Brian Michael Bendis and Mark Bagley's amazing Spider-Man run, right. um, is that, you know, this is like an anniversary. They, they, they call out that it's been 20 years. So is Marvel right. like trying to get their bones together for this so that they can do big 25 anniversary books and omnibuses and I mean, is this like that would be a salesy interesting. thing I, I i don't know if that's necessarily it i feel like they're you know marvel's really leaning heavy on multiverse shenanigans right now so it's it makes sense to me that your big summer event would be here's different versions of the same characters meeting up and fighting right. um but uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm just happy they're doing it. I, I, I have a lot of love and nostalgia for the Ultimate Universe. It kind of lost its way there towards the end. But uh, th- if you're going to, uh, you know, celebrate the characters in that, that time period, I think this is the way to do it. Have everybody get together against a common enemy. They're also promising there's going to be some sort of transformation mm-hmm. uh, of the universe, of the Marvel universe, not the ultimate universe right. necessarily. But Hickman does say something about inverting the original universe and getting from a, point A to point B, which makes me think... Interesting. Is he setting up the ultimate universe 2.0 or something? I mean, that would be great. I'm, I'm down for that. This is a crazy universe. There's. I was looking on a Reddit thread about how insane it all was uh-huh. and like... It, it got to the point where it seemed like Mark Millar, Miller and some other creators were trying to outdo each other with wacky, crazy twists, like mm-hmm. Cable is Wolverine and like, I don't know. Uh, oh, uh, Invisible Woman's trying to impregnate herself or something. Yeah, and, and then also just it, 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 got, it got to the point where it just was so dour and gory and yes edgy i hate to sound like get off my lawn but i don't want to watch the (laughs) blob eating people like i don't want right i don't know it's just so it's yeah um but you know when it was on it was on and those or especially those like first spider-man i mean that i i have so much love for that spider-man run Oh, it's so good. It's I mean, there are things in it that didn't quite work for me, but the mm-hmm. first like hundred issues are yeah, amazing. I agree, and and much like uh, Cody Ziegler mentioned on uh, our two hundredth episode, like Ultimate Spider Man got me back into reading comics heavily as a teenager. Right. So mm-hmm. like that's that's a huge touchstone for me. What would you do if like at the end of this little event, uh, it's revealed Bendis is back and taking over Ultimate's? 2.0 ultimate universe 2.0 i'd lose my mind i mean <laughs> genuinely i would i think I, I, it'll never happen but that that would, that no, would be insane would yeah it, it seems like this is also a nostalgic element right like you and i are just talking like we were at yeah, an age where totally. this was like hitting hard yeah. and now we're at an age where we have lots of money to spend <laughs> <laughs> that's right I, i'm so cynical about this um but also marvel announced it's not it may not be an event but they also announced contests contest of chaos yeah uh, it, it we have almost no information besides absolute chaos corrupts absolutely and mm-hmm. a Brian Hitch again Brian Hitch mm-hmm. doing this crazy cover where all the heroes are fighting each other. Yeah, it looks like uh, yeah exactly like you said it's it's contest of champions except way cooler and <laughs> uh, I don't know I, this is fun this the splash art's fun not sure what Deadpool is doing but uh, uh, with his splayed legs and arms out in the air but uh, oh yeah it's a good getting uppercut it's a good image for sure. I saw Stephanie Phillips say something a little cheeky, like maybe she's involved. Um, nice, yeah, because this all we have right now to go on, right, is that uh, Brian Hitch did this teaser art, but he may not even be right. He may not even be drawing the actual event. 
No, we yeah, we have no idea. It's crazy. He he he's just he's wrapping up a, a Venom run where he did every issue, which is crazy in yeah. itself. Um, but he's got Ultimate Invasion coming out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he did the cover to this. Mm-hmm. There's this secret Mark Wade Superman book that I think he's doing that okay. he hasn't yeah. been announced yet. Like, how the hell does this guy have time in the day to draw all this sure. stuff? Yeah, no, it's crazy. Um, moving away for a second, and just for a second, don't worry, because we're going to get back to more event stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Marvel also revealed uh, the, the new cover for Black Panther number one, which mm-hmm. is going to be written by Evel Ewing with art by Chris Allen. This was actually announced on NBC's Today Show. Yeah, that's right. They showed the cover and the design of the Black Panther, which has a cool, like, shoulder shield and a kind of a, I don't know, a sheet yeah, right. <laughs> wrapped around him. That's right. It's an interesting look. Um, I dig it. The, the look itself, and the cover has uh, Black Panther in the city on some, like, scaffolding, or not yeah. scaffolding, some beams. So, like, he's got this, like, hunter vibe. Yeah, and yet he's in the city, so I, don't, I wonder what's going on here. Love it, and and he's you know still a fugitive from his own people. So, but he refuses to not be the Black Panther. So now we're getting more of a you know uh, creature that stalks the night type of Black Panther story, which right. I love. I think that's such a cool. I I mean, obviously, I always prefer you know T'Challa, large and in charge, but uh, this is a really I this is a really interesting take on the character that we haven't quite seen like this yeah she eve eve said a little something to 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 the, the, the today, today show uh-huh. i can't get it out because i can't <laughs> believe the today show is talking about black panther sure. or even comics but uh she said it's going to be edgy and kind of homespun nice i like sleek that. sleek and slick hmm interesting We'll see. I don't. I. I think uh, it's it's about about time that we've gotten uh, a new creative team on Black Panther. I know a lot of folks that haven't been enjoying it for some time. So uh-huh. it'll. It's good that they're kind of refueling it with some new creatives. Marvel. Speaking of refueling, Marvel and Essential Sequential are teaming up for a print program called Marvel Signature, which is already available. You can go to their shop and buy prints and lithographs and all sorts of cool, yeah. um, high quality prints. But what's interesting about this news is it's not just a store with more stuff. I w- we wouldn't be talking about that if that was what it was. But the Marvel's really pushing the fact that this is to support and help artists. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean, they obviously would never talk numbers, but maybe these artists are getting a bigger cut than they normally do. Because we all know comics creators barely make a living at this stuff. I mean, yeah, they're they're most of them are freelance and uh you know that means that there are a lot of other you know things that need to be covered on the outside right 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 and then some really cool stuff in here yeah, arthur gorgeous. adams yeah. humberto ramos brian Terry Dodson. yeah there's jen bartell i mean they, they 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 came out swinging with with the quality artists and they have some signed prints in here too that are really cool nice yeah 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 I wish I had more wall space, but I literally have art in a closet <laughs> sure. that I used to have on a wall, but I don't have room for it anymore. I do have room, though, for this mm. new Marvel HQ app, <laughs> yeah, which I am downloading right away because since it's for eight kids ages four to seven, mm-hmm. I can't wait to start using this app that uh, Marvel announced right, be- right at the beginning of Comics Pro. Yeah. Uh, they're teaming up with Story Toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, who is actually building the app for them and publishing it. It's launching in May. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go to amputeecomics.com, you can see some screenshots of it's some of the so games. Cute. Like, yeah, ed- yeah, educational games. You can make your own comics and color. And, yeah, this is really fun. I would have gone, like, absolutely apeshit for something like this when I was a kid. Oh, totally. I, I yeah. did have a, a CD-ROM that, like, let me create, like, 
uh, Superman and Batman stuff. Like I can't remember mm-hmm. what it was called, but I was I was so obsessed with that thing. But this is so cool. It's free to download, but like every free to download game Freemium. these days, <laughs> yeah, there is going to be some sort of subscription tier mm-hmm. to get extra stuff. But uh, I love the color. The screenshot of the of the coloring of Captain America is really cool. Mm-hmm. Like that could inspire future artists. You Absolutely. Know? When we're uh, eighty doing the show, <laughs> we're gonna have an artist on the show, and they're like, "Oh, uh, Marvel, I'm, Marvel HQ, I use I'm that." I'm the so HQ much. generation. <laughs> All right, I know you've been dying for more uh, event news. Yeah, so Star Wars Death Metal. <laughs> yes, Star Wars again. Star, uh, Marvel announced uh, via a teaser, which tells us almost nothing, uh-huh. but they announced another crossover for their Star Wars line, which mm-hmm. will include Doctor Afra, Darth Vader, bounty hunters, and Star Wars. Uh, the the quote on this, and it's coming out in the summer, is first it comes for the metal. What metal? Is there a special metal I don't know about in Star Punk Wars? Rock tried to kill the metal. Um, <laughs> what? There, no, there was a. Um, this was teased in that. Oh God, what was that special that came out a few months ago where it was essentially, you know, uh, you know how Marvel loves to do their like look ahead to the next year specials. Oh yes, yes. Darth Vader being told like, and then this thing's gonna be pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Whoa! I better get my uh, so comic serious. retailer on the phone." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm into it. War, War of the Bounty Hunters is still like the gold standard for Star Wars crossovers. I feel like, uh, and uh, really excited to see what they cook up for this one. Since they're saying it comes yes. for the metal, what is? It? I mean, it means there's something. Must, there's something like an that entity is like eating it. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's probably adamantium. Well, the, I mean, my my Star Wars brain immediately is just like, uh, the the you know the the color palette on the top of the page. You know, we've got uh-huh. these like kind of streaks of red, and I'm I'm thinking crate immediately, like from mm. uh, the Last Jedi. Like, are we getting right. you know, something kind of centered around that planet, or am I just excited to see red? <laughs> <laughs> That's too, I mean, for red for me is always like Sith, but uh, sure. wait, what is that metal that Mandalorians use? Maybe it's that. Oh man, my headache will not allow me to pull up that information right now. I think by the time <laughs> this event comes out, the new season of Mandalorian will be over. So yeah, I don't know. Not that they're connected at all, but in uh, more event news, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. There's more. <laughs> DC has shed light on their Night Terror summer <laughs> event. Which Nathan immediately texted me uh, after the news went live Such and said... Such a silly title, and I love it. Great like, title. It's so goofy, and I I kind of love it. If you're going to do a spooky, you know, dead man-centric crossover, mm-hmm. dead man-slash-Batman-centric, night terrors. Like, I love it. It makes me think of uh, Nightcrawlers from Always Sunny. Let's play uh, sure. Nightcrawlers. Uh, this also, one will be... I also yeah, I was just just very excited by the teaser art, uh, which yeah. prominently features, uh, you know, old school Sandman. Right. Yes, I saw folks talking about that. That was a surprise for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see Boston, aka Deadman, uh-huh. uh, heavily involved. It, the, the we don't, again, we don't have a ton of details, but we do have more than than uh, than that Star Wars news. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, Josh Williamson's writing, Howard Porter and Gillian March uh, are drawing along with more people we haven't mm-hmm. announced yet. But basically, it's the Trinity, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman finding a body yeah. in the Hall of Justice of, of one of their earliest enemies. I wonder who that could be. Interesting. 
And then uh, they get sent into this investigation where the land of the living beyond the land of the dead into a realm of nightmares. And Uh that's where Deadman comes in to, I suppose, guide them. Nice. But uh, they they promise whatever happens in these nightmare books could affect them in their real life. So it's not like they're just going to wake up and be like, damn, that sucked. I had a bad night's sleep. (laughs) Yeah. If you die in the game, you die in real life. (laughs) I've always said. Um. I saw a lot of folks excited that this wasn't like a huge event, but mm-hmm. I think they should curb their expectations because Dark Crisis uh, of Affinity Earths also was first announced with only like six books. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of two or three months, they kept adding and it kept adding months right. to the event. Um, but they're promising um, separate two-part uh, tie-in issues, mm-hmm. which is nice. It's not the usual three where a lot of these tie-ins can feel like, I don't know, they're really fishing for, for money, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'm really angry at capitalism today. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Speaking of capitalism, uh, DC and Kodansha are releasing uh, Superman, Batman, and a Joker manga that has never been in English before, but some of these have won awards and have Uh gotten so much acclaim, uh, so it's cool to see them getting uh, in English translations. And there have been like fan translations. If you've ever seen that incredible meme-worthy image of the Joker yelling, Joker chants... (laughs) Right, yes. That's one of my favorite things in the world. <laughs> yeah, because Joker, the Joker, one operation Joker, he's taking care of like a baby Batman. Yeah, ba- Batman right? gets turned into a baby and Joker's <laughs> like, this is my opportunity to uh, raise Batman and to, and to become who he's meant to be. <laughs> it's uh, so silly and I love it. It is. Meanwhile, Superman is getting lunch in Japan. Uh <laughs> It's it's so cool to see this because like it's so not what um, an American creative team might do. Right. Um, uh, if you have DC in- Universe Infinite, you can actually read these digitally uh, for free. Well, you know, yes. part of the subscription before they go into print in the fall, so you can get a head start on these. Yeah, you're right. It's crazy. I, I used to review manga a lot more on APT, and uh-huh. like I would try to look for images to use for my review, and like there are translations of the manga that aren't going to come out in America for like eight months. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean the people just, they, they, they're doing a service. They're making sure that they're making sure right. to keep the fans up to date. And I love that. I mean, yeah, I, they're doing yeah, it for I, free. I remember back in the day buying, you know, fan sub DVDs of, you know, Dragon Ball Z episodes that hadn't come out yet. <laughs> right, 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 right. And with Netflix pulling all these shenanigans, maybe we'll be getting Netflix shows too online. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Soon. Uh, moving on to some indie comics news. Oni Press has announced Xeno number one, which yeah. is, they say, not an anthology mm-hmm. in a cheeky way. I say that annoyingly. But uh, <laughs> it comes out in June. It is an anthology of mm-hmm. sci-fi stories, lifting up um, new creators and some, um, you know, seasoned ones as well, like yeah. Christopher Condon and Nick Cagnetti. This is um, cool. This looks really cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a 2000 AD meets Black Mirror kind of vibe. Like, uh, we're going for some sort of hallucinogenic stuff, but also very much like... Okay, here's here's weird uh, science fiction, science like hard science fiction stories. I, I, this is really cool. Yeah, the world's first intravenous video game system, and a story by Christopher Condon and Nick Cagnetti. Um, and I'm very curious. Phil Hester's story. There's not really any information on what it's about, but they're saying he returns to leave his deepest mark yet. And I'm hmm. such a I'm so in the bag for Phil Hester that like that's very yeah. exciting. That, that 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 that's how they're touting it. It's only uh, three issues, but I think they're extra sized. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah, this looks really cool. It looks the first thing that came to my mind was like it's sort of competing with 
Fanographics. Fanographics has put out some sure. interesting anthologies like this with uh, like a primo prestige mm-hmm. sort of feel to them. I think this is the first project announced from Oni since Hunter Gordonson mm-hmm. took over as president and publisher. This is exciting. I mean, there's plenty of room for for you know smart, well-told science fiction stories. So I'm I'm happy to see as many publishers as want to put books out like this. They got some stacked uh, creators on the uh, covers as well, like Andre Lima Arujo, uh-huh. who's on this show. That's recently. right. Yeah. In other indie comics news, Briars. I hate Briars. They 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 stick you. Yeah. They get stuck in your they clothes get everywhere. But if you like the comic book version by yeah. Christopher Cantwell and Jermaine Garcia, well, then you're going to be really excited because this miniseries is getting an ongoing series, baby. Yes. Yeah, it was originally supposed <laughs> to be, what, five issues? Something yeah, I think like so. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm so thrilled that uh, this, this story is going to be continuing. It feels like, I mean, every issue is just sort of bursting with detail and, and hidden uh layers and and everything just kind of begs for further analysis and so i Mm -hmm. I, you can tell cantwell's got a lot of stories in him for this it's interesting too boom also announced damn them the hell from Uh size barrier and adler uh is also getting an ongoing that's right it's interesting that they did that they announced those two at the same time like i don't know i i I suppose for the longest time now they've been mostly uh a miniseries shop right right I mean, for years even. And now it sounds like they want to kind of continue with these series and gain fan bases, I suppose. Right, yeah. Kind of interesting. Uh, in other... I don't know if this is indie comic news. Well, I suppose it sort is of. in a way. Something is killing the children. Yes. What is it? <laughs> well, it's definitely Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Terrible joke. Uh, <laughs> Netflix announced that they're, they've got uh, Baron Bo Adar and... Jonte Frey's uh, mm-hmm. producing the new series. You might know them from shows like Dark and 1899, two series that have huge fan bases. Uh, 1899 in particular recently was like a beloved show that was canceled and everyone got pissed. <laughs> yeah, 1899 was launched in November with barely yeah. any advertising. And then by January, they had a Netflix had announced they'd canceled it. Like Wild. there's the, the whole Netflix model really doesn't allow for shows to like gain word of mouth anymore like there's a reason everyone was watching stranger things and it's because it was like the only thing you put out that week and you 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 know heavily marketed it Um, so as excited as i am for these creators to take on something that's killing the children because they're they're you know very intelligent brilliant creators uh i i i feel less uh enthusiastic knowing that you know Netflix could just repeat this all over again. The worst part of it is they could they could cancel a show with an amazing cliffhanger like right. this this comic will probably have at the end of season 1. <laughs> I mean literally the show is like I mean originally Mike Flanagan was attached to it and he's sort hmm. of doing his own thing now like not working with Netflix. He's currently shopping the fact that Mike Flanagan the you know the yeah. creator of like Haunting of Hill House, right? Uh Haunting mm-hmm. of Bly Manor. Uh, Midnight Mass ha- is developing a Dark Tower TV series, and he's like not sure which studio will take it. Is the craziest thing to me because <laughs> that's going to be a mighty expensive project. It is. I mean, but it's it's the same thing where I'm like, Sandman comes out. It's the most watched piece of media in 2022, mm-hmm. 
and yeah. and still Neil Gaiman has to go to Twitter to be like, "Hey guys, can you convince Netflix to like take my <laughs> phone calls?" <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I, I I I sort of feel bad for anybody who's working with that company at the moment. I mean, it's it's sort of like the anti Nintendo model, right? Like, sure. More is more in the Netflix game right now. And Nintendo and is they... like, let's focus on what works. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it, meanwhile, like, you know, channels or not channels, streaming services like Apple and sure. HBO seem to be like, oh, no, we're going to put out like four amazing shows a year and maybe some so-so ones, but mm-hmm. we're not going to go crazy. Yeah, I don't right. know. But you know what? I'm excited that they've attached such great creators to this because we're going to at least get one season of something great. Right. Exactly. And, uh, uh, it's cool to see also James Tynan and Werther De La Dera, mm-hmm. who are the creators of the book, are producing as well, so they're going to get a yes, cut. Yes, that's um, right. This is also, uh, it's worth noting, Boom set up, I think about two years ago now, a first look deal with Netflix. Mm-hmm. I, at the top of my head, I don't think they've had any projects announced yet, so this might be the first one from them, but right. I could be wrong. You know, with Hollywood, there could be like six other projects that were started and stopped. <laughs> and we don't even know about them, yeah. Right, exactly. Um, you know... <sighs> I know listeners know that Nathan hates Archie, but we're going to have to get <laughs> through this imagine? next bit of news. Yeah, we'll do That's our a best. joke that, that refers to an episode four episodes ago. I don't know. Something like that when I just went on a rant about how much Archie I'd been consuming. I was like, oh, what's the weather like, Nathan? You were like 14 minutes of uh, Archie love. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, no, but Archie Comics and Webtoon announced this mm-hmm. week a digital collaboration for a book called Archie Comics Big Ethel Energy. Yeah. I love that title. Great title. Exceptional um, title. If you don't know, Webtoon is basically the premier mm-hmm. uh, digital comics platform, especially since Comicsology is gone. Mm-hmm. But they they have original content. You know, they have DC content too, but mm-hmm. it's all scrollability kind of comics, so panel yeah. by panel. There's actually a preview on aptcomics.com if you want to check out a few of the panels. Yeah, Big Ethel. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, good. Oh, I was just gonna say Big Ethel Energy is a lot of fun. Uh, the you know the first season of the of the book was like it received numerous uh, award nominations, uh, and is just sort of like a really great representation of like how to tell stories about these characters as adults. Uh, and I say right, that right. as someone who's currently watching. Yeah, uh, catching up on Riverdale, where the characters are being portrayed as adults, but they're still writing them like they're in high school. So it's it's very it's very weird. Um, but this this series is like a, a great look at like, okay, so what do you do next if you want to be a journalist or you want to be a, you know, how how do you transition from the drama of high school and still be friends? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's a good it's a good good book. I I'm a, I'm loving. I'm a big webtoon. Uh, supporter so yeah and most of comics are free right free yes, to read? that's right yeah and our last piece of news and it's indie news but maybe not for so long because it probably will be a movie series and a tv series sure. and a uh should be a cartoon vr experience right. and uh <laughs> choose your own adventure novelization <laughs> image comics uh revealed the trailer that was revealed and my cat is on my table oh ah! Uh, Image Comics revealed uh, the Catalyst War is coming, uh, right. and starting in Radiant Black number twenty-five. It's we all knew an event was coming when it comes to the Radiant Black universe the because massiverse. there's supermassive Inferno Girl Red, Rogue Sun, the Dead Lucky, Radiant Red, Radiant Pink, Cowl, and No Slash One. Yeah, all in this universe, and it was bound to happen. They were going to have this big crossover event yeah. called the Catalyst War. So there's a video that was um, revealed. Uh-huh. We posted it on APT Twitter. 
Kyle Higgins, Higgins talks a little bit about how they made an animated, a five minute animated short as like a test uh, for Radiant Black. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's kind of got the same kind of invincible uh, animation style, Love I'd it. say. But um, yeah, there isn't a ton of information about this besides the slogan, everything has been leading to this moment. Yeah, um, I'm, Kyle, I'm hoping we'll get some more uh, insight into, you know, what what links all of these characters together, where their powers come from, yes. like, more and more of that, please. Yeah, Kyle talks a little bit about this threat, and it's like a technology threat. Um, yeah, it's likely tied to all their origins and whatnot. But yeah, that starts in July. Nice. Another event, folks. Uh-huh. Excited? Another one. <laughs> get out your wallets. And get out your wallets for our next segment, our top books of the week. That's right. We talked about our top two favorite comics out this week, which you must buy. You have to, actually. Or this podcast will self-destruct right. by the end of the uh, recording. <laughs> um, I'll go first. Uh-huh. I My second favorite book of the week was Immoral X-Men number one. I have to say it like that because mm-hmm. I keep wanting to say Immortal. Sure. Uh, Kieran Gillen and Paco Medina's uh, tie-in, three-issue tie-in starts here. Uh, spinning out of Sins of Sinister, literally, one of the reasons why it was on my top two is that it, aside from the other two tie-ins, this one feels very much like a continuation of the Sins of Sinister uh, issue. So the other ones were sort of like these fun kind of extrapolations of what's going on elsewhere, whereas this, literally, the two main characters are Mr. Sinister and Emma Frost. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sins of Sinister is this universe where, or not universe, it is in canon, but Sinister has basically, we're 10 years out from him using the Kokoa like rebirth pods to infuse every human or every being on earth with his essence, uh, his uh-huh. evilness. Um, not every single one. There, there are people that are holding out a lot of, most of which are humans, but um, this issue basically takes us a little bit further to show how right at the start, we see Xavier tricking Nick Fury and a few other heroes into jumping out a window and killing themselves. Sure. Um, and he, but he's in tears around, around it. So he's evil enough to do it, but he still, he hates it. And then meanwhile, Emma's like, you little bitch, this, this is fun. <laughs> we should, we should throw everybody out windows. So we kind of see how the essence of these people or these characters are still kind of there. Emma is a little more evil than she used to be. And Xavier still is holding on to some goodness. Meanwhile, Mr. Sinister's plan uh, to take over and be the ruler is really going sour here because the council, while they are infused with his evilness and kind of are with, on on the same plan, mm-hmm. uh, they don't really like him. <laughs> they don't want him ru- ruling the roost. So, right. and and he hates that. So basically, uh, we get to see how that kind of plays out. And uh, yeah, no, Gillen's. I think his writing is great, and mm-hmm. uh, art is super fun and clean. And it's going to be really interesting to see how this story plays out. One thing I was like kind of racking my brain with though is like who's the villain in this right with with every character either every hero either almost every hero dead or tainted mm-hmm. I don't know who the the hero is I think Storm is out there maybe potentially but yeah we we haven't really seen her do much yet so yeah we'll we're see. still still waiting to see like the implications of all of this on everybody on the, the you know the full cast right this is an event as well yeah. <laughs> talking about events That's but right. it, luckily it's it's only nine issues of tie-ins, and then I think it's two total issues of Sins of Sinister, so mm-hmm. not, not too bad. Right. Anyway, what was your second favorite book of the week? My second favorite book of the week was Punisher War Journal, base number one, by Torin Gronbeck and Gabriel Morissette Fan. Uh, I was shocked to enjoy a Punisher book this week. Um, 
I, I that's a little mean. I, I I have not been super wild about the ongoing Punisher series, um, and I just was re I really appreciated a back to basics kind of story. I mean, this is <clears throat> there's in a lot of ways this reminded me of like the more uh, emotional uh, sections of Gar of Garth Ennis's run uh, mm -hmm. back in the day. Like there are. It's a story that follows Frank Castle uh, at when he's come back from war, trying to uh, readjust to civilian life, but sort of having this feeling that, no, I've lost something. And the only place I feel comfortable is in the fight. You know, hmm. um, mm -hmm. everything, everything that everyone complains about around me is not important. <laughs> and uh, it's just this really great sort of character study that I feel like you lose you lose so much of what makes this character interesting when, when you're just focusing on the wacky action and stuff right? Uh, or, or him just sort of being this single minded killing machine, which, you know, there, there's room for those stories, obviously. Um, and look, I love the movie Punisher war zone, which is not exactly a, a character piece. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> but uh, there was something about this story that just really, really hit this week. Uh, this, this sort of quiet sadness behind the character that I, I just was fascinated to see explored uh, in this kind of format. I've loved turns work since yeah. she started. I think she was sort of working with Jason Aaron mostly at, at the start, but you know, now she's taking over Thor and yeah, everything right. she does is is solidly written, and yes, and these Punisher tie-in are not tie-ins, but like one shots are really exciting yeah. too. Well, that was the funny thing about it was like the <laughs> the the first page of this book is like, you know, the Punisher is now the chosen one, the leader of the hand. He's trying to resurrect this thing, <laughs> yeah. and he, like, yeah. and and in, anyway, here's a story about him being sad in his living room. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's like the equivalent of like Galactus like eating a planet and then like having like di digestion issues. Right. And it just like, oh, yeah, this sucks. It, it really like uh there were there's a couple of moments in this book that were a real gut punch and I haven't like felt for Frank Castle in a long time. It's a good reminder to those people that are like you should just we should just cancel uh Punisher, no more Punisher because <laughs> the, the world's the world's too dark for this, but I don't know if that's true. I mean, there's 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 certainly a, an argument to be made, but like there, this yeah, these are the stories that remind you that there is some humanity that can be plumbed from the character. Mm-hmm. Totally. Speaking of humanity, yeah, I think well, not really. All of humanity <laughs> is so happy to have Superman. Yeah, Superman number one came out this week. It's my favorite book of the week yeah. by Josh Williamson and Jamal Campbell. Uh, they were on the show a few weeks ago to that's talk right. about this. Um, good lord, this book is so gorgeous. It's great. It's so pretty. You're right. Every panel is uh -huh. just like that is a poster. That yep. is a poster. That is a poster. Um, it's 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 also a, a series that is a, a kind of a return to basics in a sense. You know, with Superman off in War World for what felt like a year. Uh huh. He's back at the Daily Planet. He's writing news. He's and uh, Lois Lane is the editor in chief, which. Probably will create some sort of tension between them sure. when it comes to writing stories. We'll see. But uh, just a really joyous first issue that establishes that Lex is constantly whispering things to Superman uh -huh. from jail, uh -huh. of all places. I love this. I love this how super hearing is, like, capable of something like this, even though, like, there should be a lot more noises, like, Because he refuses to really tune everybody out. Yeah. Right, right. And they talk about that, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it sets up 
I think a pretty exciting and seemingly pretty fresh story mm-hmm. as well. Uh, there's a LexCorp thing that we'll talk about in a second uh, in Kapow, I think. Yeah. Uh, but there are multiple enemies to defeat just in this first issue. So if you're looking for action, it's it's in there as well. Mm-hmm. And there's a cool like cliffhanger of sorts where you don't really know what's happening, but it's wild. It's something. It, look, it almost looks like something like Mitch Gerads would draw uh-huh. uh, with these like uh, TV screen lines that are like glitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's uh, Williamson clearly understands Superman and like how joyous he should be, and he's always got a smile on his face even when he's fighting. And I just love the the character acting too is is so on point. Like yes. this is the Superman I want. I don't want sad Superman or murder Superman. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I want him to like enjoy writing uh, at his desk even you know. Right. Which we ha- we we really haven't had in in recent eras. But yeah, go check that out. But, but what book. was your favorite book of the week? My favorite was uh, Batman One Bad Day, Clayface, number one. Nice. Uh, I had a feeling I was going to really groove to this. This was uh, this is by, of course, uh, Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly. And thank you. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's Germanico, right? Like the, like, I think so, yeah. And Okay. This is by Jackson Lansing, Colin Kelly, and Germanico. This is a... Uh, really, again, an incredible character piece based around mm-hmm. Clayface, Basil Carlo, uh, or Basil, Basil Carlo, Basil, um, who uh, has tried to leave his criminal life behind and and pursue his dreams of being a star, but uh, whether through his own insecurities or his uh, refusal to compromise, he keeps making mistakes, and the bodies are piling up. And mm. uh, literally, literally, and now uh, he he can't stay hidden for long. Uh, this is a heartbreaking story. It's gorgeously illustrated. Some of the mm-hmm. scariest. I mean, this is the scariest Clayface has ever been. Uh, yeah. In the 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 way that they portray, the way he like consumes people, and the way he uh, transforms. There's one section that looks almost like something out of the thing, where his face splits in half, and he's got oh, fangs gosh, yeah. inside of his head, and. Um, it's just it's a perfect horror comic it's outside of regular continuity um, but it also is so chock full of nods to batman the animated series if you are a fan of that show this this book is like catnip i mean i have not seen the gray ghost figure heavily into a a comic book story in a long (laughs) time so very happy to see that uh yeah I, i just Man, I this I've I've kept I've, this is the book I've been thinking about since I read it last weekend. Especially since you're an actor. Oh sure, and I and I do eat my co-stars. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I highly recommend listening to last week's interview with uh, Jackson yes. and Colin because they they get into like how they have friends in Hollywood, they live in in California, they sure. they've been part of the system. So they understand how it can eat you, literally. Oh, yeah. Well, not literally, but you know. Well, I mean. <laughs> and there's there's a lot to be said about the artificiality of Hollywood yes. and the way that like you do change yourself to be what is marketable and what you think the people want. Right. Also, you know, small spoiler for this, I think it's so brilliant to finally tie to bring the one bad day line full circle by having mm. Basil star in a film version of the killing joke. <laughs> yes. Is that was really a surprise. That reveal. Cause I was like, I know that hair, that hair is yeah, so yeah. distinct and to sudden. And, and I know these, I know that dialogue. What is this from? And to suddenly be 
you know, in the kitchen <laughs> with Jack talking to his wife is the craziest twist. Like, I just, I loved it. I loved this book. Uh, our, our own Piper Whitaker also gave it a 10 out of 10. That's right. In our, the written re- review on AIPT. Yeah, it's a, uh, God, I, I wish this series would continue forever. I think I only have like one or two more. Uh, I think. We've still got, a, maybe... we've still got Rachel Ghoul coming, right? Yes. Yeah. And that's Tom Taylor. And I forget the artist on that. Uh-huh. That should be good too. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. We just talked last week about uh, that insane, what was it, $180 box set? You can get all of them in, I think, I'm, uh, I'm May? considering it. <laughs> yeah. I am, yeah. for sure. These are, Solidly yeah, this done. is such a, this event has been such a blast. Like, I, or not really event, but like this sort of line has been something I look forward to every month. I'm just waiting for Spider-Man One Bad Day. I wish one <laughs> Spider-Man One Bad Day. It's just... brand new day. They should do Spider-Man Brand New Day to piss off the fans, right? Uh, if you don't know, that's a reference to uh, the Joe Caseta, mm-hmm. Mary Jane Mephisto. I'm just saying names. Hullabaloo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Moving on to our next segment, standout Kapow. moment of the week. Love it. That's Love good. It. Yeah, it's what was <laughs> What was your favorite moment of the week? Uh, my favorite moment of the week was also from Superman number one by Josh Williamson and Jamal Campbell. Uh, the aforementioned uh, Luther Corp has is rebranding itself as Super Corp. Um, and he is basically trying to uh, market, make Superman into a marketable commodity. Yeah, you know, we're running an app. You guys come, you know, Superman comes to save us whenever, you know, you need help. Uh, oh, by the way, Superman, if you don't become the new face of my company, all of these people will be laid off. It's such a, <laughs> it's such a manipulative move. But the thing that made me really, really happy about this is they show Superman basically this propaganda video they've created for Supercorp. And it, Jamal Campbell essentially gets to do a Ty Templeton slash Bruce Tim impression for like a page. I mean, it is yeah. fully drawn in the Superman, the animated series style. Uh, and I just, I just really, really got a kick out of that. Imagine if it was in Canon that that animated series is actually uh, the Lex, I'd love the Lex it. propaganda. <laughs> you know, there's a great issue of Superboy from the nineties where his agent like, commissions a pilot for a Superboy cartoon and I I want to say Tight Templeton drew the issue and the whole yeah. time they're like making jokes about the entertainment industry like uh so at one point someone's like uh uh you know the theme song's going to be I hired a guy to do a Terminator rip off it's going to be great like <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh, I wish I I wish I could think of that the issue number off the top of my head but it's uh, it's good stuff yeah, this this scene reminded me of like the cartoon in Jurassic Park they watched. Oh to, yeah, like Dino DNA. Exactly. Yeah, like it's it's propaganda, but it's uh it's made for kids kind of thing. That's right. Uh, my favorite moment came from Spawn: Unwanted Violence Number Two by Todd McFarlane and Mike Del Mundo. Uh-huh. There's a scene where uh, Spawn is without his suit, getting shot with a billion bullets. <laughs> And behind him is just bang, bang, boom, boom, bang, bang, pew, sure. pew, tat, tat, tat. <laughs> I love, it's, I love this page. This is so good. It's so actually, if you go to the back of the book, uh, we get to see it uncolored too. So clearly, this was a really cool yeah. moment for Del Mundo as well. But um, as the page, as you look down the page, a spawn suit starts to like kind of meld over him, push the bullets, or I guess the yeah. bullets are stuck in him. I don't know. Yeah. I can't really... Yeah, I think so. It's such a cool, like, comic booky kind of thing. And yes. I love how it uses the sound effects. Yeah, it's Moving great. Moving on to our top books for next week. We're going to talk about our most anticipated comics on next week. Yeah, I can't yeah, yeah. wait 
for Rogue and Gambit number one by Stephanie Phillips and Carlos Gomez. Yeah. She was just on Expo Monday earlier this week That's to talk right. about it. Um, I, again, I always cheat on these. Well, I don't always do, but I try not to. Um, <laughs> I got to read it early on a plane flying to London. Look at and, you. And uh, see how cool I am? Yeah. And uh, Rogue and Gambit. You were just reading the book to like <laughs> practice your accent for when you got there. Yeah, I was... Uh, Hello, Mona me. Moshari. It's me, Gambit. Picky. I want to... That's I good. Like, do the Gambit, uh, you know, accent, but in a British accent. Oi, oi. That's what you're doing. I like that. Uh, Rogue and Gambit are one of the best couples, I think, in comics. Yeah. They're also married now. Um, and it's After cool years to see... of living in sin. <laughs> I know, it's I'm so kidding. gross. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but you know, we, we, ha- we've had a Rogan Gamut book mm-hmm. a couple of years ago and I think everyone really loved it. Yeah. Uh, I think that was Kelly- by, written by Kelly Thompson. It's just cool to see a couple's book. You rarely see in superhero comics. Everyone seems to be single. Yeah. Um, by editorial and- mandate. <laughs> exactly. And there's an interesting story taking place here, uh, involving some key mutant villains. And it's nice to see how Rogan Gamut kind of function. Gambit's. If you look at the preview, it's not a spoiler. He's pretty freaking drunk at the start of this book. So, uh-huh. uh, and Rogue has to just deal with it. Ugh, stupid spouses. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, it does. It also feels a little bit different from the rest of the, the X Men, especially right now. But it's, uh, with Sins of Sinister, but uh-huh. it feels like a different kind of X Men book, which is exciting. Um, yeah. So go check that out. What is your most anticipated book out next week, uh, Dave? I usually don't cheat like this. Um, you cheater. I'm a. I'm. I'm. I'm typically <laughs> a pretty honest podcaster, but I. I. I'm so ready for folks to read Human Target number twelve by Tom King and mm. Greg Small. Greg Smallwood. Mm-hmm. I just. I. I love this book. I love this series so much, and. Uh, I think this the way that the I. I mean, I literally can't talk about this issue without spoiling anything, but like, I am so excited for people to see that this plays out in a way that they may not expect. And it has bar none, one of my favorite final pages in comics in a long time. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's all coming to an end now. It's been about a year since it started, right? Yeah. I mean, they took, uh, they took a hiatus between uh, six and seven. So it's been a little over a year. Crazy. Yeah. Love this book, and I'm sad to see it go, but I think it ends literally the only way it can. Yeah. I can't wait to see what Smallwood does next. Oh, my gosh. Right. Absolutely. He, like, he should only do, like, you know, maxi-series yes. like this or mini-series. Give him the time. Just give him the mm-hmm. time to do whatever he wants. Announced next week, Greg Smallwood takes over Spider-Man in bi-weekly book. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> he would need, like, four years to, to catch up. He'd never sleep. Yeah, exactly. Moving on to Judging by the Cover. We're talking about our favorite cover art out next week. That's right. We're into next week now. That's right. I really like the variant cover by J.H. Williams III for Detective Comics number 1069. Yeah. Actually, this issue has a couple banger covers. <sighs> yeah, it really does. This cover, though, it's got me, you know, bussing. In its claws. It's got me bussing because there's this <laughs> demon, like, enveloping uh, Batman, yeah. this red thing. And you can see, you can make out a hand. Like you a can red oh, mist. I, yeah. Yeah, it's... It sucks for Batman when it comes to magical supernatural things, I suppose. <laughs> he has the worst luck. It looks like he's like underwater too. Yeah. Um there there's like there isn't bubbles so much as like but there are like red kind of bubbles. Uh-huh. But, oh, go to aptcomics.com and to check out the cover in full for this podcast post. But the play of light with the smoke uh-huh. and the way the circles kind of 
draw your eye and you're spinning and you're spinning yes. and you're spinning. Anyway, uh, God, Williams is so good. I think he was one of the first, I, I think Superwoman, I'm oh, sorry, Batgirl was one of, no, Batwoman, sorry. Yes. Was yeah. one of the first books I reviewed for AIPT like 11 years ago. Yeah, now, and, it, and uh, still one of the best comic looking comics that DC has ever put out. Like he was doing shit that should be put in museums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's so wild. <laughs> Speaking of someone who was just at a museum in London looking at classical art. That's right. It's not a brag. It's not a brag. <laughs> anyway, uh, what is uh, your most... Oh, sorry, your favorite cover of next week? I love the variant cover by uh, Felipe Massafera for uh, Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I could have picked any cover for Cosmic Ghost Rider, number one, and uh, been very happy with my choice. But this one just has such a, like, classic 1970s, like, Drew Struzan-style movie poster vibe to it. Uh, I mm-hmm. love the reflective chrome on the on his suit, which is, like, reflecting the burning chains. I love that there's another of his face behind him, so it almost looks like... Uh, it's like a glamour shot for Cosmic Ghost Rider. Um, yeah. The pose is so rad. I mean, it's just, it's good. It's a good over-the-top sci-fi epic cover. Right, it's like one of those uh, those cheesy, like, uh, laser <laughs> laser cats in the background yes, pictures or whatever. Yes, 100%. But, like, That's it's funny. just so cool. Very cool, yeah. Very painterly. Yes. Watch out, Alex Ross. <laughs> yeah, right. That dude rules the roost. Uh, in our last segment, to join us as Kurt Pierce talks about Indigo Children with me. It's a, it's a fascinating uh, new series. If you like superheroes but you like them a little different, you might want to check it out. Yeah. So I'm with this is Kurt Pierce. Kurt, we have it's been months since we spoke, uh, and you have Indigo Children coming out in March very soon. Uh, thank you so much for being on the APT Comics podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be back. So for those uh, folks out there who who see the title Indigo Children and think that is a cool title, I have no idea what that's about. What would you tell them? So Indigo Children is inspired by, you know, this real life phenomenon of these young children who are gifted with basically supernatural intelligence, right? They'd be like five years old doing like MIT level calculus and all this stuff. Uh, and so there's been no, numerous of these kids reported and they all, and the one thing a lot of them shared in common is they claim to be uh, reborn Martians from, from Mars, of course. Uh, and so basically sort of after I discovered the story, I, I uh, since I'm a nerd, my mind instantly went to like, oh, there's a really cool way to spin this into like sort of a new uh, big sort of globe spanning post Spielberg, you know, mm. mystery series and 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 that's sort of where we dive into to the book it's a book that i think is for fans of books like uh department of truth or you know even fans of like something like radiant black and say it's sort of like those two books smashed together nice i i have to say and you can quote me on this i feel like you're the comics equivalent of stephen king you have these new ideas pumping out all the time and i mean you've had your fair share of crime comics and whatnot too but where do you come up with these ideas? Do you have a drawer of ideas or do you have like a, a Google doc of like 25 ideas? How many ideas do you have and how much does it cost to buy these ideas from you? Uh, I do have a lot of ideas because I think of uh, uh, just stories a lot and I'll just be like watching something. I'll be like, oh, we could spin this in this way into this sort of story. Uh, and so I, I just 
record. I, I, when I have a new idea, I normally voice memo it in an email to, uh, to myself, and then I'll go down and, and record it. But I appreciate the Stephen King comparison because I really look up to him, and I just that's one of the things that uh, I you know aspire to is to have like that Stephen King work ethic, right? Mm. Of just where you have all these new ideas and stuff. And I think he's just a machine. So, oh, do you uh, have like a 2000 words a day rule like Stephen King, I think does. I don't, uh, I don't have that rule because the way I work is completely opposite of that where it's like, there'll be days where I write absolutely nothing. And there'll be a day where I write like 40 pages for me. A lot of the time writing is, uh, is thinking mostly like in my head of, of where the story going to go and how do I keep it fresh? So it's like a lot of work is, is almost like pondering. Uh, so I don't benefit by writing 2000 words a day if I'm not going to be able to use any of the words. So oh, sure, yeah. weird. It's a weird process, but I'm pretty much always working on stuff because even if I have it cracked where the script I'm working on needs to go, I got to give, uh, letters to the this thing and and do the uh proofread on that it's just like there's always something to do i can relate it's not the same at all i can relate though i write something like 10 to 15 reviews a week and there are times where i am like slogging to get it done because i have to because i only have so much time but there's other times where i'm like pumping them out it's just coming to me it's coming to me and i think stephen king is on record just saying like where do your ideas come from and he's like you know nowhere it just happens it's like magic it is really a, a magic. I think the best thing you can do if you want to co- come up with ideas is, is uh, and the thing that's helped me the most is just reading a lot and watching a lot and uh, taking in all these different narratives. Your, your brain is like a computer. And so the more information you pump into it, sort of the more intelligent you become. Uh, and so like, I think just having watched so many movies and thought about it in a, in the context of the sort of the way they're written and, and constructed. I think like you begin to be able to disassemble and sort of rebuild these narratives and say, okay, this, I like this movie. What kind of story is this? What's my version of this kind of story and, and all this stuff. So for me, it's, it's sort of all one process. Something about Indigo Children I really liked is this, like, it feels like a, a couple things that I've seen before, but it's entirely new because, like you're saying, you're soaking it up like a sponge. Like, I was thinking of, like, Beautiful Mind. I was thinking of, like, I don't know, you know, Matt Damon on Mars. Uh, and I was thinking of, like, X-Men, too. And then, like, all those yeah. ideas kind of coming together. The concept of this Martian thing, which I don't want to spoil, but it's really cool, this cool sci-fi idea. Now, I want to ask you, though, a lot of these ideas, including... Um, you know, it's only teenage wasteland. I'm look. I'm reading this book because I got to read Indigo Children number one early, and I'm thinking, holy shit! Like this idea is so it feels so fresh and new that it's there's a danger of it actually already being created. Do you do any research to make sure that it's not out there and you like somehow forgot that you read some you know penny novel when you were two and whatever? I think what I did Google and try and make sure there was nothing on the. The Indigo Children. I mean, like, the thing is, it's based on a real-world phenomenon. So it's like other people could have a similar take. But what they don't have is sort of my ability to execute, you know. And they don't have the art team and everything. So it's like mm. the the 
execution is everything. So, so I, I feel like, yeah, you can, can do th- this type of story and it's been done a lot. I mean, if you just be- boil it down to like the dumbest terms, which is not the way I'd encourage people to think about it. Is it's like, <laughs> so don't say it. Book, yeah, I won't say it, but you know, just like, yeah. Um, it, yeah, when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to titles, is there a, like a database that writers like you can like search to make sure there is no indigo children? Because I know like I know two titles off the top of my head in the last five ten years that got titles on uh, at Image Comics and then like had to change the title because it was copyrighted somewhere. Uh, I uh, I mean I think Google's your best friend, but I think there's ways to like get around that. I was dealing with this on one of my other books actually because. Someone was like, the book's not even out, but I guess someone came up to the publisher was like, well, I'm doing a book with this name too. And I, sh- even though no one's read it, should change the, the name of your book. Uh, yeah. And there's ways to get around it. I think that happened with, with Kirkman's Outcast, right? And they just changed it to Outcast by Kirkman and Azacita. Mm. And so like oh, okay. by putting that, uh, the creator sort of as part of the title, mm-hmm. you, you get around that but there's movies with the same title as other movies there's shows with the same titles as other shows pretty much everything under the sun has been done so you should not worry about that as much as you worry about just telling a story in a you know damn exciting way and and thrilling your reading so that's kind of my main concern i feel like the two titles i had in mind were noctera by snyder and daniel and the autumnal by kurt Busiek and um I forget the artist at the top of my head, but they had to change the titles at the last minute. Um, what made yeah, so knock, yeah, knock Tara. I think that's interesting. And I, so to be, I think this honestly uh, speaks to how nice a guy Scott is, and and I'm not just saying this to to kiss his ass. He's been pretty nice to me in a few different scenarios when he didn't need to be. But I think Scott's just a nice guy and he realizes how big he is. He doesn't want to step on on other creators. So he just changed it to be nice. They could have gotten around that pretty easily, right? Mm, it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, one has, uh, no one in comics has enough money to sort of outlawyer Scott <laughs> Snyder. Uh, so I think that speaks out nice he is. And uh, certainly if I felt like I was infringing on someone's I would change it, but frankly, I've put out books with the same titles as movies and, and all this stuff, and I just do not think it's, it's that big a deal. So, knowledge mm. may vary. What made Image Comics the right publisher for this one? Uh, I mean, wow, that's a really big question. Uh, I don't know. I like to work with a lot of different publishers. I think Image has such a reputation and uh, profile for being, uh, you know, really big story home to the best creators and so i think i like doing stuff at image uh and at the time i was we started working on this book for about three or four years so at the time i was really uh we we're finishing up olympia and, and i'd been working with todd mcfarland on, on a few things who we were just talking about how you were interviewing him before yeah and uh i was just really nice guy and, and so we were just talking about doing more stuff at image and i sort of uh mentioned the book and showed it to Eric and then sort of through the, you know, talking about those gentlemen, we ended up deciding to do Indigo ch- Children there. Uh, but yeah, I like the image guy that really respect the ethos behind the company because I'm a very like, 
I'm an evangelist for sort of create around and new ideas. And, and like, I just feel like, and this is going to be the, the hot take of the interview where we say, where I say like one thing in an interview with you that like, could like, yeah. Internet. Uh, but I feel like you shouldn't have to write fucking Batman to make an indie comic pop. Sure. And I feel like that's the only way books are popping off now. And I think it's insane. So I just hope that, uh, creators, uh, well, just continue to take chances with new ideas and like invest in themselves. Because I think like, uh, if any of the recent past has shown us anything, it's that we live in like a creator economy and creators are the most valuable thing outside of a few huge, like monolithic pieces of IP, like Batman or uh, Spider-Man. Like we've seen how these empires can crumble. So I think, uh, I want to encourage creators to like invest in themselves and sort of readers. Hopefully we can all continue to enjoy the awesome, you know, the Batman, Spider-Man stuff, but please get out there and just try some new stuff. You know, let's, totally. let's uh, support cool ideas. Uh, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti said something on, um, it was one of those virtual San Diego Comic-Con panels. And he was like, literally anyone could write Batman and they'd be famous afterwards. Like, <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know if, I don't think it was a slight on anyone who's written Batman, but it's uh it's career making. To be, to be fair though, it makes your career, but if you do a shitty job on Batman, I don't think you benefit from it. There's a real benefit in from going in and writing Batman and you have to execute. Right? Mm-hmm. I think the guys who really benefit from writing those books are guys who come in and really do a take. I mean, like, we're and again i'm gonna give kudos to scott here but like scott and greg capullo did the most significant reinvention of batman since you know jim lee drew him and it's like that's why those guys got big off that book yeah i mean you do get a certain amount of and shine writing batman but the like career it makes it brings something like new and uh incredible to the table so like it's a bit more nuanced take on it but obviously i think about this you know way more than than i should but i like batman and i i uh it's funny I'm like the best way to market your indie comic is to write batman it's like, <laughs> fuck. yeah it's it's a two-set plan start writing then write batman um <laughs> back to indigo children uh nikki might be my favorite character at least in the first issue um even though he's not necessarily the main character, but what goes into making a character funny, but also serious? Uh, Nikki's my favorite character also. Uh, I don't know. I think like because of uh, of people like I like in my life and I think uh, also myself of like are really funny, but also like serious of like, about stuff. People who are like multidimensional, you know, the biggest characters and like some of my biggest friendships are with people who are like uh, really funny, but also like really and, and, and complicated. Mm -hmm. And like, those are the most interesting humans. Like if you look at history, it's like the people who sort of captivate us. So I think me trying to mine some of that and just have this character who's like kind of a shyster, but he's like funny, right? It's like kind of, and he's got connections. Like, I just, I love that character. Yeah, you don't really know what he'll say or do, which is, you know, something you can kind of glean from a character that you've seen a thousand times before. 
Yeah, I feel like he's one of the things that makes the book uh, sets it apart and gives a bit of an edge, right? So when you create the the Piers universe, uh, will Nikki be getting his own book and uh, movie? I'll be a fucking hilarious. Yeah, I actually am gonna be pro Nikki. Yes, I think he should. <laughs> Spin up, please. Like, yeah, do a tie-in, uh, a three-issue tie-in. <laughs> Nikki, Nikki, stay out. It would just be like him getting into trouble doing illegal stuff, right? But oh, he's just funny. David Aja so, on art, please. I think he can oh, crush yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I would. I want to work with David Aja so bad, but yeah, that'd be funny. I think that character would fit in in the Hawkeye sort of universe as well, right? He's one of those characters. Totally, yeah. Um, well, speaking of artists, uh, Rockwell White's art works well. Um, I don't know why I kept thinking of like X Files comics. Sorry, what? Rockwell's not the artist. Uh, the oh, artist is, is the same guy from Youth. It's uh, Alex Diotto. Oh, sorry. I was looking at the... Oh. Rockwell oh, okay. is, is a co-writer on the book. Oh, uh, I didn't realize that. There was no credits but, page. Yeah, sorry. To, to elaborate on the process of it, it's like we... I came up with the idea. We sort of developed the story together I think the first three issues I wrote about 90% of it. I'm sort of like the showrunner, whatever. Issue four, Rockwell wrote most of it. And then going forward, it's sort of both a collaboration. Uh, but it, it is collaborative with them, but I've been kind of a control freak. So I wrote a lot of it, but that's yeah, kind of what... I, I, I can't remember the last time you, you co-wrote something. Can you talk a little bit about what that, why it required, uh, or not required, why it makes sense to co-write with Rockwell? Well, so Rockwell is is one of my good friends, uh, and he's actually probably like one of the only co-writers I've worked with, because basically we just work on a lot of stuff together, and uh, he assists me in a lot of the tech projects and stuff on behind the scenes stuff, mm -hmm. but also. Uh, it's kind of like my, I don't know what the right word for it would be, like consigliere or second in command. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, so I've been like training them up to like write comics and stuff because like we're talking about so many ideas. Uh, I'm basically building an army of creatives who can like help me realize them to this like massive, uh, you know, Walt Disney, Steve Jobs scale. So like part of that is like, finding people to work with it and yeah rock was like one a close friend and uh collaborator he's your uh tom hagan for those godfather fans yeah. out there <laughs> yeah tom hagan he's not he's not sunny he's not gonna get killed at the at the what is it the bridge the 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 toll booth or whatever yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay so not, speak not fredo no god no <laughs> Well, let's hope not. You never know. Someone could turn on you at any moment, even me in this interview. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the art by is uh, is by Alex Diotto. Is that right? You were saying that. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let me just do another take on that question then. Uh, Alex Diotto's art works really well. I kept thinking of like X-Files comics for some reason when reading this. And maybe it's the dark tone and the detective element um, and like the isolation and mystery. Why was he a good fit for this series? So Alex, I've worked with on a lot of different stuff. He's drawn uh, all of youth, which uh, by the time this comes out, there's been 12 issues of. Uh, we've done Olympiad Image. He's one of my like close collaborators. 
And so after Olympia, we were sort of looking for something new to do together. So it just was kind of natural to move over to this idea. It's, it's cool that you guys continue to work. So I'm sure he got an email when uh, you finished youth before it was done. That another title <laughs> yeah. was coming. And yeah, I'm, exactly. I can't remember if I asked this question in this interview or the last one, but maybe it'll be incredibly confusing to the, to the listeners. Um, okay, so here's a question you'll probably get when you start doing a lot of interviews for Indigo Children. So uh, I, I want to ask it first. If you ever wrote X-Men, would it be like Indigo Children? Uh, I don't even know what uh, what my X-Men would, uh, would be like. I feel like I would go for something uh, like what what Grant Morrison or like Jonathan Hickman did, where you have to have sort of a underlying ethos and mm. idea behind it, but also sort of you want to like ground it in the characters and have to make it sort of recognizable to the fans. So it's, it's, it's a tall order to, to come with a X-Men take, but I think the best runs are ones that have sort of a, uh, high concept to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Like in the, uh, the X-Men run, I thought was really good. That does not get it's, it's, uh, it's, it's love is the, Brian Bendis one where it's like the they come back in time to, right, right. uh with all the, new X-Men with Stuart Eminent. Yeah. That shit was uh, fire. Uh and yeah, I like that one. So I would do something like that where it's like a big idea, but also it's still an X-Men book. So it's what I guess um, sort of an answer to your question. I am asking that question because there are like superpowers in Indigo Children. I don't think that's a secret uh or a spoiler necessarily. did you have uh, when you're coming up with powers for characters, because it's it's a bit eclectic in this book, um, did you have any powers that you were going with and it didn't quite work? Or how did you come to the conclusion with the powers that are in this, not to give them away? We just wanted everyone to have sort of uh, unified by like their sort of shared heritage and uh, the root of their powers, but each person's powers manifest uniquely and sort of match their personality. So it kind of like all comes back to uh, character elements and sort of the fundamental DNAs of the characters also manifesting in, in the power. So it's sort of like kind of having your cake and eating it too, where it's like, oh, it's a big, cool, flashy power thing, but also it's a, it's a storytelling opportunity. Nice. Is it the, the title is really compelling. Can you talk about its meaning or, or what inspired it? Uh, it was just really simple. Just to, to, they're called indigo kids uh are the ones who have these the real life version of the story and so i'm just called it indigo children i'm like it sounds really cool let's do it since this interview is uh you know taking place in 2023 um how was your i don't know i don't really like new year's so it's hard to say man i'm just like holidays all right all right but nice to meet it's nice to be alive. I'll just say that. I appreciate being around for another year. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> you know, I was thinking how this would be a really macabre interview if somehow you or I died in between uh, this airing and us recording it. Uh, so I hope we're both still alive in March when this book comes out. Thank you so much for being on the AMPT Comics Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's me touching wood, so none of us will, will oh, kick it. Oh, I don't think I have a wood desk. Anymore.